Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Welcome to another edition of the Blue Gold Report, brought to you by Dio McComb and Sons Funeral Homes in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm Todd Burlidge. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated, the Associated Press, Notre Dame, and some other stuff that I do. I'm joined again, as usual, by Mason Plummer from Ball State University. He's a writer for SlapTheSign.com, does a fine job breaking down all things Notre Dame there. You can find him at MasonPlummer6 on Twitter. That's the numeral six. You can find me at Todd Burlidge. Mason, what's going on, man? Just another crappy rainy day in Muncie, Todd. How are you doing? <laughs> not too bad. Just another crappy rainy day up here in sunny South Bend, but uh, at least it's not a foot of snow out there. That's about all I got. Got a few things to uh, cover here. A lot of little news. We're going to actually expand your Blue Gold Nuggets to a six-pack, so you all can look forward to that. The coaches are out and about big time. The Irish coaches recruiting. This is the time of year where you want to get hit the ground running on that next class. Now you've finished up the one uh, time to start on the next one never stops, that's for sure. And Mesa's done a lot of work this week with SlapTheSign.com, actually in recent weeks, I should say, kind of breaking and giving a breakdown of position by position on the offensive side of the football. So I thought this would be a good time to dive in and go ahead and look at what that offensive depth chart could look like in the spring and moving forward a little bit. Um, some pretty powerful names there and some question marks as well on that side of the football, so we'll do that. But as we always do, let's go ahead and start the show with these blue gold nuggets. I'll go first, Mason. We're going to go ahead and start with some women's hoop news. If I can find it here, there it is. Maddie Westbell, she's an, she will be an incoming freshman next season from Muffet McGraw. She was named as a McDonald's All-American, one of 24. Pretty standard stuff here for Muffet and her Irish as a matter of fact, this is the 20th McDonald's All-American in Irish history when she joins the team. There are currently three on this year's team. You wouldn't know by the record, but there's currently three on this year's team. Caitlin Gilbert, Sam Brunel, and Anaya Peoples. Uh, so three there. Uh, this was sort of interesting. Skylar Diggins, Bree Turner, Marina Mabry. They were all three-time McDonald's All-American. I actually thought that was award was uh, reserved for seniors only, but I guess that's not the case. So uh, good work by Maddie. What you got, Mason? Yeah, the Polynesian Bowl took place January 18th, just last week, and uh, a lot of Notre Dame commits in it. We've got Aiden Kiania, he's the uh, defensive tackle commit, Chris Tyree, the star running back, Michael Carmody, an offensive tackle, and then Tosh Baker, he recently suffered an injury, which saw him plummet in uh, 24-7 sports and rivals rankings, but he did not play in the game, but I expect him to be back and uh, training soon with Notre Dame. More football news. The ACC released its sort of composite schedule for all its conference games, and obviously Notre Dame ties into that since they play five of those league teams every year. And wouldn't you know it, it seems to happen every year. Three of those ACC opponents will take on Notre Dame coming off a bye week. One of them, most importantly, will be Clemson. <laughs> so Clemson gets to come to Notre Dame as what will presumably be the number one team in the country um, when they with them returning about everybody on the entire team. Um, so Clemson gets a bye coming into Notre Dame. Notre Dame will play Duke the week before that for what it's worth. The other teams coming in are playing Notre Dame off a bye are Duke, and then Pittsburgh is another one. Wake Forest actually plays Notre Dame off a game, but it's Division Two Villanova. Now, for what it's worth, Mason, it didn't matter last year because Notre Dame played seven teams off a bye, won all seven games, and I think about all seven, seven of those pretty handedly. What you got? 
big news, former Notre Dame captain and defensive end Anthony Weaver named the Houston Texans defensive coordinator. Uh, Weaver was a star defensive end at Notre Dame, played under Bob Davey from 98 to 2001. As I said, he was a captain on the squad, played in the Fiesta Bowl, and uh, yeah, so worked his way from a player to a graduate assistant, now all the way up. The defensive coordinator gets to coach J.J. Watt and those big boys with the Texans. Senior Bowl festivities this week and this weekend. The game is actually this weekend. Lad People Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. Three guys are not in Mobile. Mobile that should be draft picks up the line here. That's Cole Komet. He can't play there because he's a junior. It's for seniors only. Julian Oquara, broken fibiast, he's still recovering from. And Kareem Khalid, uh, Khalid Kareem decided to focus on the Combine and not take part in the Senior Bowl festivities. But they do have four guys here, and a couple of them are making a lot of noise. Chase Claypool is doing a nice job down there. He's projected as a second-round pick, number 9 wide receiver. Cornerback Troy Pride Jr., I'm going to get back to him in a second. He's doing a bang-up job up there, down there, I should say. Alohi Gilman, a safety, and Jalen Elliott, a safety, also trying to play their way into some reasonable draft position all three of those guys started the week projected as third to fifth rounders, but Pride has been fantastic, and he's working against some very talented wide receivers. He actually won the Defensive Back of the Week award, so that might be worth checking out. Uh, Saturday, the game is at 2.30 p.m., and you can find that on your local listings. What you got, Mason? My final one, Notre Dame boasts four offensive linemen in the top 30 in the pro football focus rankings. This is their after-season ranking, kind of looking forward to 2020. Um, that's not a very common thing. Uh, it's, it's a big deal for Notre Dame offensive line. Uh, they were decent this past season by returning all five starters and essentially a sixth in Josh Love, who replaced Robert Hainsey down the stretch. Yeah, it's a big deal. So you got number 30, Jarrett Patterson, the center. Number 28, Liam Eichenberg, the left tackle. The left guard, number 24, Aaron Banks. And then number 23, Robert Hainsey, the right tackle. So, yeah, it's a big deal. It's, uh, it's going to be a great offensive line. It's going to be a real strength of the team as we look forward to this fall. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And we're going to, when we get to that offensive depth chart breakdown, we're going to talk a little bit more about that line, which I think, I'm with you, I think it could become one of the best in the country. And those are your blue gold nuggets. Mason, I mentioned it at the top of the show. This is when recruiting really hits high gear, or one of the times a year where it really hits high gear. And the Notre Dame coaches are out and about. Uh, even BK, he's out on the road. He was actually at the Senior Bowl just taking in some of his players down there, did a couple interviews, said he's proud of his guys. But he was also down there to see four-star wide receiver Jaden Thomas. This guy rates as the number 113 player overall in the country. Notre Dame has a pretty good lean on him. He was in town for the Virginia Tech game, so Brian Kelly's certainly turning up the heat on Mr. Thomas. What what, what can you tell us about Jaden? Yeah, out of Pace Academy, Jaden Thomas is a stud wide receiver, but the problem is that he's getting looked at by everybody as most stud receivers do. Ohio State, they tend to turn out wide receivers to the NFL. Michigan, uh, the big boys, Georgia, Florida State, Florida, Alabama. So this is a guy that values his academics, and Notre Dame is definitely a player in this, but to pull recruits out of Georgia can be difficult. But Notre Dame's had recent success pulling guys like Kyle Hamilton out of the heart of Georgia. So it's one to watch. It's definitely one I would say Notre Dame's a player in. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of Georgia, BK, after visiting with Thomas, slid by North Gwinnett High School, which is a little bit northeast of Atlanta. Uh, this team, uh, this particular school program, has a couple big-time recruits that Notre Dame's interested in. Linebacker Barrett Carter, he has the potential to become a five-star player someday, currently a four-star, and cornerback Jordan Hancock. Does Notre Dame have any chance at either of these guys, Mason? I would say slightly less of a chance with Carter as compared to Hancock. Uh, neither of them seem 
super likely. You know, or they're from the same the same high school in Georgia. Not more Georgia guys. Uh, Jordan's kind of a real hotbed of recruiting. Um, Eric Carter's a guy that reminds me a lot of Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, the offside linebacker they broke out this season. You know, it's really tough for Notre Dame to pull these big-time linebackers out of Georgia. You know, you can't imagine that he won't go to a place that's local. Sure. Uh, again, if he's a guy that decides he wants to focus on his academics and really pursue a future outside of football, this is a guy that Notre Dame needs to get. Uh, Kelly's turning up the heat on guys like this. And, you know, recruits that Notre Dame lost out on, as we reported a couple weeks ago, uh, Jalen McMillan, guys like an A.J. Henning, they they reported that they wanted uh, they wanted Kelly to be more involved. So Kelly's getting more involved, and we'll see if it pays out for him. Yeah, you mentioned that, and I thought that was an interesting point. And I've been kind of trying to track that a little bit, that BK needs to be more involved um, from what some of the guys are saying. And, and this news kind of suggests that he wants to be and is going to be. While Brian Kelly was down there in Georgia, he also made a flyby Athens to check out a kid that's already a commitment, uh, 2021 wide receiver Deion Colsey. Um, he was actually in town for the Echo Awards a few weeks ago, so Brian Kelly just wanted to go say hey. I think he might have been checking out a basketball game while he was there as well. Dell Alexander, Notre Dame's wide receiver coach, he's been working the West Coast quite a bit. He's been in Southern California. He's courting this athlete, Devin Kirkwood. This guy, they don't exactly know where he's going to play. He's six foot four, one hundred and seventy-five pounds. Could be a safety. Could be a wide receiver. Sounds like it might be a tough pull, Mason, to keep him from going to USC. What do you know about this kid? Yeah, especially with uh, USC's starting to come back. You know, they've had a couple down seasons, but their recruiting is always top notch, and especially their wide receiver recruiting. And they have to be all over this guy, six four, one seventy five. That's that's ridiculous. That's crazy considering his age, and that's that's just about Chase Claypool's size at that age. So you'd love to see him get in the weight room with Matt Bayless and their name staff, and just get him absolutely jacked and get him out on the field. But yeah, pulling guys out of the heart of USC is another tough place, but um, Notre Dame's definitely a player. I would say it's down to Notre Dame and USC at this point. Haven't heard a lot from Kirkwood from interview standpoint when he wants to announce, but uh, definitely one to watch. I'd say Notre Dame's a player in it as well. Yeah, sounds like it. And actually, Notre Dame has done a pretty good job uh, with, between the work that now Alexander's doing and Mike Elston. I'll mention him in a minute. And obviously, Brian Polian's worked that uh, territory pretty hard. They've done a pretty good job of getting Southern California talent. So maybe keep your fingers crossed on this one. When I saw the size and saw safety, Six four one seventy five. You know who crossed my mind right away, and that's one Kyle Hamilton. That's right. Looking, looking at that size. Speaking of Mike Elston, this cat's where he, he always hits the recruiting trail hard. They put this guy to work, man. He earns his money. He's been all over the place. Earlier in the week, he was in North Carolina to offer defensive end Keyshawn Silver, six uh, five, two hundred fifty five pound, uh, again from North Carolina, and then he was off to Texas to visit another defensive end, David David Abriera. Um, I'm not going to ask you about Abriera because they're just kind of getting started on his recruitment. But uh, since Notre Dame offered Keyshawn Silver, what can you tell me about him? Another guy with crazy size, standing six foot five, two thirty six, and across in 2021, so I was like a 17, 18 year old. That's ridiculous. But he's a guy that it's looking like if he doesn't go to Notre Dame, he's going to stay home. He uh, they got the players in his recruitment in North Carolina, which seems very likely at this moment with how North, uh, North Carolina's their trajectory. They're going upward with Mac Brown there. And then uh, Duke as well, East Carolina. So a lot of these schools that are real local. He's a big family guy, but Notre Dame is definitely a player in this one. But um, if I had to guess, I'd say North Carolina at the moment. So Mason will keep an eye on all that for you. This is the big doings this time of year. I want to move on to the actual team now, not the future team. Now that all said and done from this past season, another successful season, another double-digit win season, 
I personally think that the offense is in place to make a run at a playoff berth again. When you look at what you have an experienced quarterback, um, certainly I think the stable of running backs will be improved. But I think it all starts with that offensive line. But I guess let's start with the skill guys first. And if you're going to start with the skill guys, you better start with quarterback. You know, the last four title-winning teams had either a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, that's Joe Burrow, LSU, a first-round pick, Clemson, Deshaun Watson, or a five-star dude, and we're talking about another Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, or Tua Tagviola, Um, and those guys are both future first-round picks. So if you're looking at sort of the history of the playoffs and winning a title, certainly it starts with an elite quarterback, and so here we go. Is Ian Book going to be that elite quarterback, third-year starter, fifth-year player, did you know, Mason, that last season, Book and Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma were the only two quarterbacks to throw for 3,000, throw for 30 passing touchdowns, and rush for 500 yards? You wouldn't think you'd put Hurts and Book in the same category, uh, but we have to. Let's start with the Tom Reese dynamic here. Chuck Long out, Tom Reese in. Do you think that help or hurt, helps or hurts Book? I think it helps. Uh, Book and Long were known to kind of butt heads a little bit, and we've, we're hearing more and more that guys tended to butt heads with Chip Long and his, his style, which is, you know, it's fine, but, and I, I have no problem with it, but if guys don't really like it, then they don't like it, I guess. And Tom Reese is very much a player's guy. And I think it helps book overall. It takes a little bit of a pressure off his shoulders. Yeah. It seems like, you know, he's already upset about a pro or whatever. Then he has red face, Brian Kelly in his face <laughs> as well as Chip Long. So I think it takes a little bit, a little bit of pressure off of him. Tom Reese knows what it's like to be the quarterback at Notre Dame and uh, he'll help him through the struggles, the ups and downs. Yeah, it kind of gives you a good cop, bad cop feel, doesn't it, when you're talking about Brian Kelly and Tom Reese instead of bad cop, bad cop, when you're talking about Chuck Long. Obviously, Book had kind of a sketchy first half of the year, terrific second half, so you kind of have to build on that. And, of course, we'll have to wait and see if he can win a big one because that's what we're still waiting on. Running back, a lot of folks, a lot of bodies, a lot of great players here, but we really don't know how it's going to shake up. I assume Jafar Armstrong will be the starter. A senior, obviously, his season was frustrating last year. He had that early first game. He had that abdominal, (laughs) the abominable snowman, I guess, abdominal injury and surgery that lingered on for the rest of the season for him. Boy, I just can't help but wonder what a one-two punch that would have been with Tony Jones Jr. and Armstrong. I personally think that Armstrong busts out and has a solid year, but there's a lot of talent behind him. Mason, we're talking about Sewell Flemister, Kyron Williams, Jameer Smith, Avery Davis, and we certainly cannot not mention the five-star running back Chris Tyree, who you have to find a place to play. How do you sort of see this rotation shaking out? Yeah, if Jafar Armstrong stays healthy, he's the starter, no doubt about it in my mind. But if he can't stay healthy or he's not impressive in the first couple games, there's no room to mess around considering the the teams that Notre Dame plays this season with Wisconsin and, and Clemson on the docket. So, you need to have a running game. Notre Dame didn't really have a running game in the in the big games last season, certainly not against Michigan right. or against Georgia. It seems like they almost gave up on running the ball entirely. So if Jafar Armstrong can't get it done, you know, I highlighted in an article that Seba Plumster could be a guy that gets a lot of carries. Um, Jameer Smith's kind of on the outside looking in as like a third running back. Avery Davis is certainly on the outside, and they don't know what to do with him at this point. And then you, you have to imagine they want to get the ball on Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree's hands too whether that's on screens or uh, just little pitches here and there. So you have to imagine they'll be involved as well. So it, that's going to be a position to watch. That's definitely a position group I'm very interested in watching as yeah, it comes yeah. closer to the spring game. Have to find a way, like you said, to get the ball in Tyree and Williams' hands, you know, one way or another, get them out in space with that speed, and you can certainly take advantage of that. 
I'm as intrigued. You're intrigued by the running backs. I'm intrigued by these wide receivers. You know, you lost your top three receivers that were there to start last year in Claypool, Chris Fink, and Michael Young. Michael Young kind of flew the coop here, which was unexpected right during the middle of the season. And then you throw in their Cole Komet. So really, you lost everybody. And we'll talk about who the leading receiver is once we get to tight ends. It's time for these juniors to get gone here, Mason. We've been talking about all the big play, all the speed, all the outside game-breaking uh, possibilities that this group brings. But Kevin Austin, Lawrence Keyes, and Braden Lindsay, those look to be your starters at this point. Obviously, that's subject to change. Again, a star-studded group when it comes to recruiting power, but really they haven't done much. As a matter of fact, Austin missed last year, was basically suspended for reasons unknown, kept kind of getting teased with him, then he'd come back, but he never did. Do you think this group can be a bust-out group? I totally do. I think Kevin Austin can take the, like, fill in Claypool's spot perfectly. There has been reports from practice all season long that Austin was just a beast. And there was a, I think we discussed this last week, but a, a Notre Dame cornerback, which w- w- remained unnamed, was saying that Austin was more difficult to cover than Chase Claypool, wow. which, is, which seems ridiculous. But he, he said it, and I'm sure he meant it. And uh, nobody wants to cover this guy. And you have to imagine that he's he's playing with a chip on his shoulder at this point. He's pissed off, and he's ready to, to show the world what he can do. And as far as it goes for uh, for Braden Lindsey, you got to get the ball in his hands. He's got to improve as a receiver. Once the ball's in his hands, he's like a lightning in a bottle. He's just gone. But being able to catch the ball, he had a couple drops this season. That's a problem. And then Lawrence Keyes needs to improve himself. There's some studs behind them. Xavier Watts. I really like Kendall Abdur, Ramon as well. Mm-hmm. So if Keyes doesn't start to improve, he needs to be scoring touchdowns, making guys miss in space. He might not be the starter once you get to like week four or five. Yeah, we have to wait and see, too. Behind those guys is kind of a, a, a big pot of guys. Um, you mentioned Watts. Of course, Jordan Johnson, another fine recruit coming in. And then the uh, transfer, Bennett Skaronic. Am I saying that right? Skaronic, I believe. Skaronic, okay. I, I, I'm giving a long sound to that O. Uh, Joe Wilkins, and we're still waiting. Javon McKinley wants to come back. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Brian Kelly said he still has a little bit of work to do if he's going to be invited back. So another story we'll have to keep an eye on. Tight ends, it's going to start with Tommy Tremble since Cole Komet is out of here with his backup, Brock Wright. Um, uh, supposedly, you know, you have a couple guys coming in here. Uh, Michael Mayer has a good chance to play coming right away. And junior John, George Tockets has been pretty solid in flashes as well. Amazingly, Tommy Tremble is the leading returning receiver on this entire team. His 16 catches for 183 yards and four touchdowns are tops on the team. Now, he did tie with those four touchdowns with Javon McKinley. What do you think? Can Mayer overtake Tommy Tremble, or is this going to be Tremble's job all season? Yeah, this is an article that I just dropped today, actually discussing the tight end position. I think it's Tremble's job to start with. I definitely think that Mayer's involved in what I discussed in the article without giving it all away is that I think Brock Wright is involved as well, but I think that him and Mayer are a 2A and 2B kind of thing, where neither of them are a 3, but they're on the field at the same time quite a bit. Right. Notre Dame like to run that 12 package with two tight ends. I, I don't see Trumbull coming off the field very often. And then, uh, you know, in, in clear passing situations, Mayer replaces Wright in that 12 package. And, you know, they're, they're both just great with the ball in their hands. They're great receivers of the ball. While you have Wright, that's a great blocking tight end. He hasn't exactly lived up to his recruitment, and he was just as hyped as Michael Mayer was or is now. I just think Mayer is just such a beast. He's an NFL body already, so I, I don't know. I don't see how he doesn't get himself on the field quite a bit this season. But with how impressive Tommy Tremble was this season, 
with with his blocking, with his receiving. I think it's his job with Michael Mayer in, in spurts as well. Yeah, I think Tremble's very much a versatile tight end. Brock Wright sort of is pigeonholed into that run blocking. He hasn't been the same. I think it all stems back to that shoulder injury and surgery that he had as a freshman. Never seemed to bounce back from that. Okay, let's get to this offensive line here. I think it's the best unit on the team. They'll return 114 starts. That's the most of the BK era. I think they're certainly going to make a run at the Joe Moore Award. I mean, just think about how many more starts that would be without some of the injuries the last couple of years, and especially last year when you lost Hainsey and Kramer on your right side of the, of the line. Left So everybody's back. Everybody's back. Uh, left tackle, Liam Eichenberg. Uh, Eichenberg struggled a little bit, had a lot of false starts last year, and probably didn't match what was expected of him. I think a lot of folks expected a lot of improvement from his first year as a starter to his second didn't necessarily happen. Not sure that the NFL potential is there um, from Eichenberg's predecessors of Zach Martin, Ronnie Stanley, and Mike McGlinchey, three first-round picks there. Uh, but certainly I think that Lee and Eichenberg can play his way into a great NFL draft pick for sure and become one of Notre Dame's better overall prospects. At the left guard, Aaron Banks, another guy who I think, you know, Notre Dame did a great job in pass blocking last year, but I thought they struggled some in the run blocking. So much was expected of Aaron Banks. Everybody was calling him the by far the, the the most coveted NFL prospects on this D-line. He struggled a little bit. He still could be that top NFL prospect, but I'd like to see him make some big strides this season. I suppose last year the biggest surprise perhaps was the way Jared Patterson just came in. First day of spring, secured that center job and never gave it up the entire, the entire way as a freshman. That gives Notre Dame some nice stability there for Ian Book especially, and Colin Grunhard, he will back up Jarrett Patterson. He's going to get a scholarship for sure. He's a nice kid, a good player, and the coaches and, and teammates love him. Right guard, mentioned him briefly, Tommy Kramer. Um, his season ended against Michigan with an MCL injury, and that kind of lingered on. He couldn't even play in the Camping World Bowl, so he never really recovered from that. He's back for a fifth year. He was actually on some All-American teams last year, some preseason and then some midseason All-American teams. So certainly he's another NFL prospect. And Robert Hainsey, who missed the last five and a half games last year with a broken left leg, he was still named Notre Dame's Offensive Lineman of the Year. So I think when you look at Kramer and Hainsey, it's the best right side of any offensive line in the country. When you look at this unit as a whole, Mason, I I think you're going to agree with me, but there is nothing but promise here. Yeah, absolutely. And just to echo what you were saying about the right side, even the the depth on the right side, you know, you got your stars there, but if something was to happen, you have some absolute studs in your right guard and right tackle. So looking towards the future, the right side of the Notre Dame line especially is just going to be great. Yeah, you can really mix and match here, too. You mentioned Josh Lug as being a, you know, he'd be starting just about anywhere. Somebody does get hurt on the left side, they can move him around, shuffle him around. A lot of these guys have played multiple positions. But So I do want to hit on some hoops. Because I think it's worth mentioning the work that John Mooney for the men is doing. It, it's really been an amazing year for him. Uh, leads the nation in rebounds per game. That's 13.9. He leads, leads the nation in defensive rebounding, 10.1. He's the only player in Division One averaging 15-plus points and 13-plus rebounds. And the only Division One player getting 10-plus defensive rebounds a game. I think what jumped out at me, though, with his 21 points and 13 rebounds in a tough 84-82 loss to Syracuse on Wednesday night, it was his 12th consecutive double-double, which broke the program record previously held previously held by Luke Herringote, who had 11 in 08 and 09. Uh, Mooney's 15 double-doubles lead all Power 6 conference teams and are second overall in the country, and yet he didn't make the top 25 
halfway list for the John Wooden Player of the Year Award. And Jim Beheim had some thoughts on this. The 44-year Syracuse coach let his thoughts be known on Mooney getting snubbed. I would like to say that if John Mooney is not one of the top 25 players in the country, then I don't know anything about college basketball. Literally nothing. It's absolutely a joke that he's not one of the top 25. What Mooney's done is absolutely remarkable. He's a great player, and it's amazing that he's not recognized. So there you have a Hall of Fame coach saying this is wrong. Mike Bray said the same thing. Mooney, we talked to him, asked him about it. He couldn't care less, and I think he's pretty sincere about it. He wants to get this thing turned around, and boy, that would be nice because Notre Dame is really struggling right now. I mentioned that loss to Syracuse. It dropped Notre Dame to 11-7 and overall, 2-5 and in league play. Mason, after they lost to North Carolina by 11 points in the season opener, the next six games have all been decided by five points or fewer four of those by three points or fewer. And unfortunately, Notre Dame has only won one of those. They just still cannot find a way to close. They've lost all three of their home games this year, so there's no home court advantage. And it's not going to get any easier. They play Florida State. Number five, Florida State, is what Notre Dame gets here. It's one of the hottest teams in all of college basketball. Seminoles are 16-2, and 6-1 and one ACC. They've won nine straight, and they're 9-0 and oh at home this season. So Notre Dame will have their hands full trying to bump that team off. Uh, the ladies, the ladies, uh, they actually finally got a big win here. They beat Miami, which really helped their confidence a little bit. They're now 7-12 and 12 overall, 2-5 and five in the conference. Uh, that win over Miami broke a four-game losing streak. Much needed. They go to Virginia Sunday at 2 p.m., and then they come home on Thursday to play number 5 Louisville. So nothing easy for the women there either. Man, and then the the men's hockey team, they're only 10-10 and 4. So they're struggling too. They're coming off a tie and a loss at Ohio State last weekend to play Wisconsin at home this weekend for a couple games. Dang Mason, we used to be able to hum along here with with great men's hoops, great women's hoops and great hockey, but uh, right now that's not the case. So we're going to have to keep plugging away with some good football ideas, eh? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the uh the stretch of a couple of years ago where all the teams were nationally ranked, you know, top five, everything has, has <laughs> kind of gone to the wayside, but uh, hopefully it's coming back. Yes, indeed. And that's going to take care of us. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's Mason Plummer. You can find him at Mason Plummer six and all his good work. He was going to break down all that offensive stuff we talked about on slap the I'm Todd Burlage. You can find me on bloomgold.com and also at Todd Burlage on Twitter. Mason. Thanks a lot, man. We'll do it again next week. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Todd. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.